Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The following content is not suitable for children. Welcome to Foreplay Radio, Couples and Sex Therapy. I'm Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Fallon, your couples therapist. And we are passionate about talking about sex and helping you develop a way to talk to each other. Our mission is to help our audience develop a healthier relationship to sex that integrates the mind, the heart, and the body. For a great personal lubricant, please check out uberlube.com and use the coupon foreplay to support us at the podcast. Thanks. Hey, Lori. Excited news. Our podcast, 5 million downloads. Not bad. What Not do you think? Bad. Not bad. I'm so excited. We were actually number three, George, a couple times this week. So that was nice. exciting on iTunes. Yeah. We're always at least number six, but we're getting up there. Shoot for number one. We would I love. I was talking to my mom, Lori. Oh, no. Tell not me. really technology. Does she? She saw, she saw, I guess, one of my sisters sent her the thing. She's like, five million people? <laughs> I've listened to your five million people. I, are you kidding me? Like, she was so happy, five million people. She has no <laughs> idea what a download is or anything else. But just that number five million is pretty cool. Does she know that it's about sex? She does. She does. <laughs> does she ever tease you about that or say anything? Oh, I get teased all the time. But oh, really? The funny thing happens, you know, people tease you, and then a minute later, they wind up talking about it. Exactly. There's so many of us, you know, we're so deprived to have these conversations that when it seems like somebody's comfortable, it's like, all right, let's get over the awkwardness, but now let's be a little bit curious. Mm -hmm. So I think that's pretty cool. That's great. My... My parents have had different reactions to this, but my father, when my book came out, he's a he was a phasic, and so that he couldn't talk. We didn't know exactly all the time what he could understand, but when the book came out, Wanting Sex Again, sex is in big letters, and he pointed at it. <laughs> you know, it's like he totally knew what that word was. It was just funny, but he was very supportive of at least of the writing part. I think he was a little anxious about the topic. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So thank you so much for your support. We would appreciate you sharing with a friend or with your sister, maybe your mother, you know, that um, this podcast is about helping people find a way to talk about sex and have sex better and in more connected ways. So please share with your friend. We would be honored. And we really do hope you join us. This really is a, it's a, it's a mission. It's a passion for Lori and I to really help you know, shift the culture, make this beautiful topic easier to talk about because it just makes the world a safer place. So however you could join us and kind of do reviews or join our patrons, right, as supporters of this work, but really spread the word. I mean, there is, we've done so many of these podcasts now on different topics. You definitely could find something, you know, that somebody's interested in. Just listen to that podcast. Give it a chance. Let, you know, let, let people just confront the things that they've been avoiding for years. And, you know, I think if they hear it and it, it sounds okay, and it, it, it causes them to stretch their discomfort and have a little bit of success, really it builds some positive momentum. 
You know, I, I don't really think there are many podcasts out there that are doing what we're doing in terms of blending attachment theory and sex therapy and, and talking just as people about real sexual stuff. I mean, a lot of it is kind of, I don't know, glossy and for show and titillating. And I, I think we're really trying to help people in just from our expertise as well as from our hearts and yeah. our own experiences. So. And what's so cool is this is like a grassroots, bottom-up, mom-and-pop, word-of-mouth. I mean, five million downloads right? from just people talking to each other. Like, we don't have big business support or these teams behind us or promotion. It's just word-of-mouth, and they just realize it's made that much of a difference. It's really humbling and, and really, really excited. It is. I, my husband asks me all the time, can you believe five million people have listened to you? I'm like, I know. It was crazy crazy or either or it might just be that one person who's downloaded a million times but you know <laughs> we appreciate you too so. we appreciate you <laughs> keep it up please okay we're doing our q a today and this comes from a gentleman who wants to help his wife move from mature sexually and i i think this is something that I've heard quite a bit, so I wanted us to talk about it. I'm going to just read what he has written. Could you do a show navigating the transition from sexual disgust to maturing views on sexuality? My significant other's first exposure to a lot of sexual activities was hearing about things, the hygiene of body fluids, oral sex, dildos, and masturbation in her girls' school locker room bathroom. And also youth church sermons, which kind of created this hodgepodge of primal disgust reactions, and it makes discussions with her challenging. After 10 years of marriage, I'm asking her to reconsider these perspectives so that she doesn't feel like the conversation is wrong and push her into that place of feeling prudish and feeling bad. Right. It, it is very different growing up female than growing up male in terms of kind of our acceptance, the, our parents' acceptance of our sexuality. You know, I always say parents, I think, are more cautious with girl children because of the potential for abuse, the potential for violation. I, I think there's just a little more anxiety about that. And we know boys get violated too, but I think that the idea is at least a boy is going to grow up with the strength of a man to defend himself, whereas a young woman may not have that kind of strength. And I, I just see a huge difference in, in the way parents react to girl children. Like when a girl child is masturbating compared to a boy child, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, oh my God, she's going to be hypersexual. Now, now what? Whereas when a boy child masturbates, like, eh, yeah, boy toy, no big deal, right? My That's mother what... didn't have that response. <laughs> Slapped your hand away, huh? was told I'm going to grow hair on my palms. So, oh. I mean, it is, I mean, when we're trying to assess people's sexual health and trying to evaluate, you know, all those different levels from the thinking, the heart, the spirit, the body. How sad that so often the spiritual part is all around, you know, 
inhibition and sin and bad and don't do this and prudish and, you know, and there's very little talking about the spiritual openness and curiosity and being part of something bigger than yourself, right? Mm. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I get this guy's frustration that says, you know, some of this early training has really shaped my partner's view of sex in a very limited kind of duty focused, you know, serving others cut off from self. And I would love for my partner to develop a more mature, healthy perspective. And like, how do you make that happen? Because every time he probably talks about it, it sounds critical and makes her feel more pressure. Mm -hmm. So I think this again is, is a, is a great topic. How do we get these withdrawers who are loaded with guilt and shame and all these negative emotions that put the brakes on their sexuality? to get them to even look at their brakes, to try to free those brakes up. So, you know, that gas pedal of desire can just do its thing. Mm -hmm. I think we should go through some of these the, that he mentioned, just so we can talk about what the common resistances are that women feel about this that create inhibition. I mean, Great. we're kidding around masturbation, but one of the things about masturbation that I've seen in women is they often masturbate in positions that are not conducive to partnered sex. So they're on their stomach, uh, maybe rubbing their legs together or something. And they're doing it in, in shame, right? That way they won't be caught. Nobody will know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe they've never touched their clitoris. And so they, they have a hard time translating that into partner sex. And they are filled with shame that they even do it. I, I don't even ask women in the South, George, if they masturbate. I will ask them, so can you climax by yourself? Like I, I don't even use the word masturbation because it's such an inflammatory word. Like, no, I, I never have done that. I don't do that. You know, it just makes them anxious, even as an adult, saying the word out loud. Right, and it's this not talking about it. Can't talk about my clitoris, can't talk about masturbating, can't talk about this. You know, no wonder why the, the topic becomes so taboo and so constricted. Let alone tell my partner how I do it, how I get there. I mean, that just feels like way out there. So this is, we talked about this in a different episode. It's about reps. It's about building capacity. You're not going to go from never talking about masturbating to looking at your clitoris in a mirror and showing everybody and becoming comfortable with that, right? But how do we, so how do you help women you, kind of you, get those drops? I love that you just said that. You know that this is like people's fear. They're going to come to a sex therapist and she's going to tell her to look at herself in the mirror. That's People always say they're so fearful of that. So how do we get them to, to do that and talk about it? Yeah. But I think looking at yourself, especially as a woman or a girl, I mean, women don't see themselves. It's hard to integrate your genitals if you don't see yourself. That's the blessing of being a boy, right? You look at your penis every day. You touch it every single day. You know, a girl literally may not have touched it, and she may wash herself with a washcloth. So she, you know, she's touching herself with toilet paper. She doesn't see her genitals. And in the bath or in the shower, she's using a washcloth. That's, that's how mama taught me. Right. And there's, again, so much shame, you know, putting in a tampon, like going inside your body. I mean, it's, there's so many of these, these things that really are, 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 are teaching us unconsciously that this is bad, this is dirty, this don't do this. Like there's so many examples of that happening. Right. Can you imagine putting in a tampon 
when you've never touched yourself. I mean, talk about a traumatic event, you know, and it's so, so tough. Or asking your mother. Else? <laughs> asking your mother. Who do you ask? Who do you ask to how to put a tampon in? Your girlfriend, your mother, especially if your mother is hung up. It's it's, it's tough. Yeah, but again, these are the things that are contributing to the lack of comfortableness with your body, with seeing it, showing it. So how do we start getting these withdrawers to see the value in actually looking at these blocks, these things that are not their fault, Mm. right? But there's so much reluctance to even want to talk about it or to head in that direction. I mean, I would say, first of all, masturbation is totally normal. It's a good thing. It's how most women learn to orgasm. You know, sometimes with really highly religious people where masturbation is something that they see as withholding their sexuality from their partner, I have had to call rabbis. I've had to call bishops in the Mormon church. I've had to say, look at I need this woman to learn how to orgasm. This is the way. It's it's a prescription. I'm not taking her away from her partner. Can we can I have a special dispensation? You know, so that so that the the couple can learn something and she needs to learn something about her own body. I've literally done that and received permission from all kinds of religious leaders that yes, we get it. We understand under these circumstances, you know, sanctioned um, All right. Yeah. Okay, so let's come back and talk more about other stuff that hangs up women. George, I want to talk to you about UberLube. They are a silicone-based product, and that basically is a non-reactive substance, so it doesn't cause allergies, it doesn't hurt. You know, so many lubricants, George, actually sting over time, you know, as women get allergic to it. And this is a neutral one. It doesn't change your pH balance, which is really important for women and hard to think about. But I I think that using a lubricant, I advise it certainly for menopausal women and for any woman. So that touch is more fun. I mean, I think people should use lubricants right at the beginning of sex him and her. I mean, I just think touching with a lubricant, it works better, right? Lori, every time I just listen to you talk about Uber Lube, it makes me want to go get some. So, you know, <laughs> okay, good. You know, this is your passion's real. Yeah. And it's from success with something you believe in. So I do. It's something that I've recommended to clients forever. And I am so proud that they have chosen us to represent them. Uberlube.com for 10% off with the coupon foreplay. So, G, what's your G spot? As a former firefighter, Mm. I'm trying to make the connection between sex and firefighting. So here it is. Sex is like a fire. Mm. It can warm you up or burn your house down. So, Lori, you know at times I can be a bit old school. I think I've tried to get caught up with the modern times and, hey, when you notice all what women have to do to go through the groom and clean and wax and all this stuff that seems quite painful, I figured the least I can do is, you know, give a little trim and freshen up a bit. <laughs> oh, George, The problem is I used, you know, what I was using to shave my son's head. And, you know, it, it didn't feel so good down here. So you, you totally need Manscaped's electric trimmer because it is so safe. And you need this. It's like the improved lawnmower is what they call it. 3.0. 3.0. Well, listen, yeah. 
When you're going close to the family jewels, you better be safe and take your time. So. <laughs> Absolutely. And you can use this in the shower. It's like waterproof. There's like an LED light that you can see and they have this motor. I guess it goes for 90 minutes. I mean, I don't, I don't know anybody who's going to need it for 90 minutes, but definitely. Um, I'm sold. Manscaped. Here I come. Okay. So our listeners, they can get this for 20% off and free shipping if they go to manscaped.com. And use the code foreplay. So again, we have our goal, Lori. We're trying to get these these withdrawers in this example of Q and A. The wife who has really good reasons to have learned to be constricted around her sexuality, to mm-hmm. start seeing the opportunities, to really do some of that fighting for herself. Right. Mm-hmm. So often, sex is about service and giving and do it for your partner. And that's beautiful. That's what love does. But we really want to awaken that part, you know, inside these, these women that want it for themselves, right? That's why the masturbation is a healthy move, right? It's trying to say like, how do you respond to yourself, get to know your body, see what it can do, really get to kind of enjoy, appreciate, affirm, love yourself, mm-hmm. right? That this isn't bad. You know, this, this, this focus on yourself is healthy. It's giving you more to engage with, to, to kind of bring with your partner. But that shift from sex being something I give to something I am part of, really you got to get these, these women to, to fight for themselves in a different way, to really, instead of hiding these parts of themselves or pushing them aside, to really see the importance that this isn't going to change unless I take a stand for myself in a different way. Right, and there's a pathway to growing up into a more erotic woman than feeling hung up by maybe childhood taboos or childhood messages that said mm-hmm. things about your body, things about sex were bad or off limits. You know, I, I was raised in the church, and I don't ever remember any sermons or youth group discussions about dildos. <laughs> or I do actually remember discussions about oral sex, believe it or not. I remember one conversation we were supposed to talk about how far we would go and how far we thought it was okay to go. And and it was like, I, I mean, I think it was kissing, breasts, something, oral sex, intercourse. or And of course, you know, how are you really going to tell your leadership what you really think? Yeah, it was... It was an interesting conversation. But so we, where did it end? I, guess I it was bad. <laughs> I can just tell you I was bad. <laughs> uh, and listen, I just want a, a quick comment to that. I, again, everybody's defining their, their values and what's safe for them and what works for them. You know, for people with strong biblical values mm-hmm. that, you know, we certainly honor and respect that. Like, you know, if you feel like this is how something was designed and created, like, how do you follow, how do you have sex within those guidelines that, that, that make it healthy and vibrant for both of you? I think, again, our goal is always what great sex looks like, regardless of culture or religion or sexual identification, right? It's about levels of engagement. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to do that with kind of a lots of rules around it, like, you know, how do you just get creative and have these open conversations? Yeah, I think, I think the downside to all the rules is that sometimes people, in order to obey the rules, turn off the sexual self and the sexual yeah. energy. I, I did lots of counseling when I first began as a therapist 
I did a premarital class in a big church. And so all the kids came back for sexual problems. And it was difficult because some of them, in order to kind of follow the lines that they felt were important to their faith, they had literally turned off the the sexual self. And turning it back on in the marriage when it was supposed to be all okay was tough. Um, And they had heard lots of taboo messages and they had heard, you know, that it was wrong to even think about these things. Um, I was working with a couple recently and talked about using a vibrator. Um, This guy says dildos and I I would say most couples when they use vibrators use clitoral stimulation if it's for her. So it probably isn't a dildo because like we know most women don't have as much feeling inside the vagina as they do their clitoris. But when we were talking about it as just a fun thing to do and to bring into their sex life, and they were really young. I mean, this is what's so funny. And they're like, you know, we always thought that that was something that a single woman did, that she used a vibrator. We never really thought about it as something to integrate in the marriage. And I said, well, you know, 60% of all women own vibrators. And, you know, I see so many couples who successfully integrate vibrators. And I mean, we just have different physiology as men and women. It, it helps women get aroused so much more quickly and it can help them have an orgasm. I'm, I'm not saying that it's necessarily a substitute for a long, slow, progressive lovemaking session, but you know, it, it can be fun and, and it can help especially when there are frequency discrepancies. He wants it more, and she's like, I can't get into it. It's like, right, but now you can with a mechanism. That's got to be sanctioned. That's got to be a good thing. Well, I want to backtrack one second because, again, I I think we – well, I I don't want to pathologize spirituality and sex. I don't think the church has done a great job, you know, but I think God is a huge fan of sex. We wouldn't be here without sex. So how do we create a healthier image of what, what the church, spirituality has around sex, mm-hmm. right? That it is about most people in great sex describe it as a transcendent spiritual feeling. Like this is a big part of it that we really want to understand. So I do think that the church has a, has a big role to play in a healthy image of what sex is. Yes. And I don't want to always just bring it up in like the taboos and the nose and the beds, because there's, there's a flip side of that I think that's trying to be developed. You know, Pope John Paul wrote an amazing book on, on sex. He's like, I've never had sex, but he could talk to the spirituality of it and the health of it. And, you know, so I, I just want to make sure that people listening that come from this really spiritual religious background don't think, you know, we're always saying, you know, it's wrong how, how it's being handled within the church. Right. I agree, and I I hope I wasn't conveying that. I think that the church does do often a good job in talking about sex in marriage, but I I think many people getting to marriage, um, it's conflicted. Yeah. I really appreciate, Lori, how you bring so much of the psych ed to education into these conversations, you know, especially for women that don't have the correct information. They don't know their body. They don't know what works. They just have the importance of reading a book or really understanding. You know, I was shocked that, you know, most women don't have orgasm without clitoris stimulation. 
most men are under that assumption that it's all about the intercourse. Most women, I mean, just think about the setup for that. If I'm a woman, you know, I'm getting married, I'm 21 years old, it's the first time I'm having sex, and I think it's supposed to work that way, and it doesn't work. I start thinking something's wrong with me. So that basic education. Yeah, women who I say, do you have orgasms? And she'll say, not during sex, or not the real way. Right. And it's just believing an assumption that's inaccurate. And, and she has nowhere to go to get that, that accurate information. So certainly that question about how do I get my partner to a mature, more mature place? Well, how does anybody grow up? We get educated. We learn, right? Mm-hmm. We, 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 we kind of know more about ourselves and the world and others around us. So how do we invite women into that journey instead of shaming them into the journey? Mm-hmm. I think that really is the... You know, I want to inspire women to kind of want to do this for themselves because life will be better, not to kind of criticize them into doing it and just trying to perform better. Lori, what do you think? How do we inspire women to want to do this work, right? Not to just make their partner happy. That's the performance. That's the pressure. That's the old way. That new way is them wanting to do it for themselves, kind of reaching into their own vitality, kind of accessing parts of themselves that have been pushed aside or not developed, mm-hmm. right? To want it for themselves, not because their partner is asking for it. Mm-hmm. I, I think the message is that we have to grow the erotic self. And that is not something that most of us understood. You know, we thought sex was something that would happen naturally and be good. I think especially kids who grow up in the church and have heard a lot of the parameters around it, there's a promise on the other side, which is if you follow this path, you're going to be blessed by God with great sex. And and the problem is, is great sex has to be developed and and putting yourself into that with education and learning. I mean, I've, I've talked to so many people who have never read a sex book. Have you read sex well, books now, George? We might have to do a separate podcast, but it was really shocking for me to recognize how important the erotic mind is for women. I think a lot of times for men, it's visual, it's driven by testosterone. It's less important to kind of what my brain's thinking, right? But well, your brain thinks. Your brain thinks sexual thoughts because of testosterone. You're not right. cultivating that. You know, but how do, how do women develop their erotic mind? Like, what does that even look like during sex? What, what, what are women thinking about as they're playing these erotic tapes? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that women have to have some sort of fantasy in their mind. And it doesn't have to be, when I say fantasy, it can be of you know, later that night with your partner. But their mind has to engage sexually because just relying on sensation, it's like something doesn't click over. I mean, I often say, you know, you could use a vibrator for 45 minutes and nothing would happen if you didn't allow your mind to to do something with that, to think about a sexual moment. So I think first you have to see that my brain needs to be engaged I think second is body acceptance, you know, both in terms of, yeah. Can I I highlight that before you move on to the body? Yes. I would love to do an episode on the secrets of a woman's erotic mind. 
I think most men are clueless about what's going on there, right? So just to kind of help bridge some of that distance, right? So you don't have to be so alone in your mind. Like, what is happening there? I think men would be really interested. And I think a lot of women think they're the only one doing this. So I think that could be really helpful, Lori. And wouldn't it be lovely if she could share those things to clue him into what she likes and and what to do, what they could co-create together? I'm almost thinking of like a Star Wars movie. There was like a plug. I could just kind of get in there and like just see what's going on inside there. But yes, if we could, that would, that would really, really be helpful. If only, if only you could, I say that about emotional withdrawers. Like I wish I could just pull the ticker tape out of his head, you know, so I could really see what he was thinking. And I'm sure for men, the sexual withdrawing partner, right? He wants to see what she's really thinking about. So, you know, mostly because he wants to make her happy. Yeah. Um, wants to act that out. Okay, acceptance of the body, part two. Okay. You know, she needs to accept that she has different bodily fluids, that sex has smells and tastes. I mean, sex is its own thing. There's got to be some comfort with that. I mean, we did that episode on menstruation and periods and all that. <laughs> Our favorite topic. Well, yeah, well, we, we're scratching the surface here, but this is a deep topic. You know, and, and, and women who are a bit shut down have good reasons because they've been trained that way. And like any training, if you want to do it differently, you, you've got to work out those muscles and you've got to come up with a plan with new moves. So, you know, we're just encouraging partners out there that are struggling for good reasons. You know, find what it takes. Read a book. Talk to somebody. Get to know your body better. Develop your erotic mind. Come up with a plan. There are things that you definitely can do that increases your pleasure, your levels of engagement, and just your overall enjoyment around sex. Thanks for listening to Foreplay Radio. Keep it hot. Call in your questions to the Foreplay Question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833, the number 4, play. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. This podcast is copyrighted by Foreplay Media. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.